Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka YouTube's Objective Geek or Objective underscore Geek on Twitter, if you're interested. And we have taken a bit of a break, and I'm going to take all the blame for that because I've been moving into this new house and everything is still in shambles. But at least I have a computer this week, and I am excited to do another episode uh, because football season is long since over and I need stuff to watch in between episodes of Game of Thrones. So, hey, Chris, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing doing great, you know. Everything's good. Been you know pumping out some videos since the last time we've uh, chatted, to uh, varying degrees of success, and uh, but they've all been fun. So, yeah, doing good. Thanks for not breaking up with me and just taking a break instead. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, I am <laughs> uh, at some point I am working on a collaboration with another YouTuber. What? But uh, okay, I'm actually just breaking this. Cool, yeah. uh, that's awesome. Somebody somebody has some stuff out there we can watch. <laughs> Uh yeah well you know I won't say it now because you know we're still working on it so okay <laughs> nice well congratulations uh not really related but there's these two I have these two cool <laughs> rotating shells back here um those actually came from another YouTuber slash podcaster but video game podcast here in Kansas City and they're actually fairly uh popular and he just spent a ton of money buying like actual video game shelves and so I got these two cool rotating shelves that kind of remind me of like in a store. But anyway, I'm just trying to feel special. I just got some stuff from a guy. I'm not collaborating. But hey, that's pretty awesome. Um, it's like it's like when when like a couple of breaks up. It's like, oh yeah, I moved on. You know, got a got a got a new uh, new life stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I met somebody too. You know. <laughs> yeah, but the person you met, you're actually like with. I'm just like stalking some other guy with a different podcast, and so it's not it's not nearly as cool, and it's way more creepy. <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's a good <laughs> podcast. Uh, no, that's awesome. Actually, you know, let's just click over there and talk about your upcoming videos. Oh, you know what? First, I probably did it out of order because I forgot. I realized we talked about yeah. Comic-Con last time, but I didn't show any pictures, and that felt like a miss. So I picked a few of my favorites here. Uh, we got some Dragon Prince characters down here who, honestly, in terms of costume work, like just to detail and difficult costumes, loved what they did. And then over here, of course, we've got uh, we've got middle-aged Aang. That guy has very, pulled it off very nicely. And then Suko yes, and Katara looking great. And then I'll let you talk through your story here because I don't necessarily remember if you talked through the story <laughs> of the creator of Static Shock last time. I don't know how much of that story you shared, but it's worth resharing. Not sure I shared it last time. I'm not sure. Um, but I dressed up sure. as Static or as some people refer to him, Static Shock, although his name is Static. Anyway, this television show is called Static Shock. Uh, had an opportunity, the great opportunity to meet Dennis Cowan, who is one of the co-creators of Static Shock. And it was an amazing opportunity to meet him. Uh, you know, when I first got met, met him, you know, he really wanted to take a picture and everything. He, he was like, man, you know, people tell us that people don't dress up as Static, but I got proof now. And then uh, and just got his autograph there. Went to a very, me and you went to a very cool panel with him. Uh, where he talked about really just his his uh, history and the industry and everything, a really really cool story about Prince because not yes. only did he <laughs> not only did he uh, co-create Static, he's done so much other you know great work in the comic industry. He he uh, did the pencils for this once <laughs> in a in a lifetime Prince comic book that I do own. Um, I got him to sign it. His story about Prince, long story short, Prince chose him to draw the comic book. Um, his uh, co-contributor and also the co-creator of Static Shock, Dwayne McDuffie, wrote the comic book. It's a great comic. Uh, pretty much Prince invited them to to go see the show. It was like a... a uh, uh, like a private showing uh, of a concert? Yeah, it was a private, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a private showing for like kids or teenagers in some type of university like it wasn't publicized or anything uh, charity show i guess would, would be the cause uh, and then he invited them to board shows and like they're just sitting front row and it was just a great story about prince and i think also Dwayne mcduffie those two are kind of tied together a lot of times um and then later on in the day towards the end of the day i was like all right i gotta go back to his stand i gotta get him to sign this prince uh, comic book that i have because one thing that story was really cool and uh, and I go there, and before that, I went and bought a static, uh, static shock action figure, which I think is this one here. If you can see it, you can't really see bit. that well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I'm, I'm getting the stuff signed for him, signed by him, 
I, I pull out just to get my backpack and stuff straight now. Pull out the action figure, and he's like, "Oh, where'd you get the action figure at?" I was like, "Oh, I got it from you know somewhere over there." He's like, "I need to go get some." Can you show me where you got them from? And one thing, this is Kansas City Comic Con, and this is the second year we've been there. I'm not sure really where the heck I even got this thing from. It's not. Um, it's not but... like huge by any means, but it's like it's still a it's a very large convention center with identical looking rows. So yes. yeah, it's yes. not huge, but it's still. <laughs> confusing yeah so uh so i'm walking around the con dressed as static creator of static looking for an action figure of static and it was surreal to say the least um it was just really really cool time and i actually found him the action figure for him it was just really great just to talk to him about the days of milestone uh, comics and everything and just how it was in the industry and just you know just how it was great collaborating with everybody uh, that was real cool and then, uh, and then I showed him a, a video of my kids watching cartoon Status Shock, and like my kids love the cartoon. And like in, in this video, like they're going crazy, they're singing a theme song and everything. He's like, "Oh man, yeah, send me that." Um, so he gave me his number, and I sent it to him. So I have the phone number of like the co-creator of my top three comic book characters of all time, and like really, you, you might not even count the second one, which is Robin, which he's just a derivative of Batman. Batman's <laughs> always number one. Gotta be honest here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> definitely uh, but it didn't yeah, even count was... didn't count <laughs> but uh, no it was it was a great con just just for that I mean the rest of the con was great too also dressing aesthetic like got a lot of attention I mean I don't go to cons to get attention but um, I say that's personal dress up you the effort to be appreciated for sure yeah and, yeah. The, and the effort was more than appreciated like, it took a lot of pictures and... yeah it definitely people people ate that costume up they were loving it it probably didn't hurt that yeah. the guy was there too, right? It's just a good air, a good good day for static shot. Yeah, in general. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm upset that yeah. he had to pay money for that action figure. I think that's outrageous. <laughs> uh, he uh, when he was outlandish to when me. he was there, you just give him that thing. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not talking well, uh, about we're... a big full size figure. We're talking. Uh, I don't want to spit out what you paid, and I don't remember, but it's like a small. Like give the man the th- the figure. Come on. Yeah, it's like a it's like a six inch figure. It was twelve dollars. Um, when he uh he bought. The three of them, when he was at the, you know, talking with the guy, and the guy was like, all right, 38, 52, or whatever the number was. He was like, even for the creator of it? <laughs> and then the guy was like, oh, crap, you know? And then and the guy was like, all right, 33, 50. <laughs> like, he gave him, that, gave him a, little, a little bit of a discount. That's like a military discount. Come on, you're killed. <laughs> a military uh, discount. Actually, when I say that, that always sounds kind of degrading. Sorry, I'll take that back. But... I was like, at least give him one of them for free. You're killing me right now. But, hey, you got to walk around with him. That's pretty fantastic. And uh, I'm among those people that will... will I always just think of Static Shock. I never think of him as Static. It's Static Shock in my head. No, that's wrong. can't help it. But what was it that other people were calling you by mistake? I can't oh. remember. <laughs> uh, Black Lightning. Yeah, that's it's not a character I'm too familiar <laughs> with. Actually... So the first time somebody said it, I was just like, oh, Static have a nickname? I don't... Static. That's already a nickname, isn't it? Uh, black Lightning is actually uh, DC's first black. Uh, he was the first black superhero to have his own run, to have his own comic run. I think Green Lantern and John Stewart is the first black superhero in DC Comics. I think so. I could be mistaken there. Yeah, we but uh, have to, we'll have to Wikipedia but, for accuracy. Yeah, <laughs> but he's but he's a he's a great superhero. I have his uh I have his issue number one. I have put it up with the static one. I don't have a Black Lightning action figure to really put with it. Um, uh, yeah, so Black Lightning also got called Shazam once. <laughs> and <laughs> well, it's I mean, it timely. It's uh, timely. Yeah, there's yeah Shazam like had just came out like the week previously or you know something like that. It was performing. Uh, and I think I, I think I got called a Flash. Like almost like a guy was like, oh the Flash, static, the Flash, like shark. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but either way, the, I think the costume got the amount of respect it appreciated. So, and then yes, also, definitely. it's worth noting that since the panel, I'm I'm not a huge Prince guy. Two or three songs that I appreciate, but I got on like a huge Prince kick for a couple of weeks, and also because I played Michael Jackson's Moonwalker on the Genesis, like very similar time frame. So I got on like a huge Prince and Michael Jackson kick. But somehow that evolved into me like searching for any videos of Dave Chappelle as Prince on YouTube. 
which uh, just worth your time. Just search Dave Chappelle Prince and just start oh, watching. Oh, great. Always great. Always great. Yeah, that's a true story, too. <laughs> oh, I just want to go watch it. So it, it morphed from a Prince story, uh, Prince kick into a Dave Chappelle kick, and that's all. Mm-hmm. It's all great. Everybody should have those kicks. Yeah. But hey, Comic Con, it was great. Uh, we might have talked a little bit about it last time, but I don't remember you getting to share the story. And I certainly, certainly hadn't shared pictures. So uh, here they are. A lot of great costumes there. Not a ton of Avatar love, but enough. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I interrupted. It was going to be a smooth segue, but I interrupted with some pictures. I think you wanted to mention some of your latest videos. Uh, yeah, I got. I mean, I've, since our last podcast, I've released twelve videos. I think. Um, nice. Some of the biggest ones or recent ones. Avengers Endgame came out, and um, what's that? And I no, give a very. <laughs> what's the Avengers Endgame? That's just a small indie film, you know, just involving some things some guys uh, did. Yeah, involving stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a biopic. Um, yeah, just, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so that review is out there. And as a DC fan, I, I come to admit something, you know, that I think it's, I do love Endgame a lot. And I've mentioned that I think it is better than one of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight movies. I don't, uh, it's not it's still, I still like each of those movies significantly more than Endgame, but Endgame is, is great. Um, in terms of Avatar, I have a couple different Avatar videos out there. I have uh, Who is Suyin's Father, if it's Sokka or not. And I give a very definitive answer to that, so you should definitely check that out. I was doing really well. It's over 1,000 views right very now. Very interesting one um, I had not thought of at all before you brought it up. <laughs> and then I have one about uh, what drives Azula, really what drives her need for perfection. And uh, that that video came about, I wasn't even planning that video, but Aaron Ehas, who is one of the head writers or the head writer of Avatar Last Airbender, recently mentioned that he always envisioned Azula having a redemption arc and that it would be way longer than Zuko's. And, um, but it, Zuko will be at her, at her worst, at her lowest point, Zuko would be there for her to guide her, to love her, to give her that the love that he got from Iroh. So then I was thinking to myself, like, all right, why is it Zuko that would be the one to really uh, give her back to the other side? And so I kind of break down what drives Zula's need for perfection is that she kind of equates some of her value to the disvalue that Zuko has in the eyes of their father. Uh, yeah, so that video is out there. And then I, I would like to video picture of- if Azula really had a redemption arc. Um, you mentioned it would take much longer. Maybe kind of an old age, like sort of a, a, a 50s, 60s, 70s, like a beaten down Azula. Yeah. Like not like had several come to Jesus moments, but never kind of took any of them in, so to speak. And just gradually over time. But I don't know what it what like what it, what would it be that turned her like what piece of old age wisdom after so many harsh, harsh things happen over life? What what would that one little like what straw would break the camel's back, so to speak? But I would I would be interested in an old Azula story yeah. just to see how it turned. That'd be fun. That's <laughs> funny. I think I, w- I would be like the opposite of that. Like, I think Azula is, is so evil. Sometimes people try to make Azula the victim in some cases. Like, oh, she was abused too. Like, I don't think she was that abused. I'm signing out of something. Are you signing out of something? No, it looks like you're signing out of something. What the heck? Well, I can still hear you. I just can't see you. Oh. For some uh, reason, like Venmo just popped up. I don't know why Venmo just popped up. Someone taking money from me. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say you don't have to pay me anything. I'm here for fun. Um, hey, there you are. Okay. Uh, All right. Sorry, you have to cut that out or not. <laughs> I don't know. I might leave it for the organic feel. It's hard to say. Oh yeah. Uh, so my point was, so, so oftentimes people try to victimize Azula, um, saying she was abused. I mean, she was abused to a certain extent. I mean. Yeah, like so, bad parenting, one of obviously, the, but... Yeah, one, one of the you know ways... There's many ways a person could get abused. It could be sexually, um, uh, physically abused, or also neglect. Neglect is one of the leading causes of abuse. Um, but then if you break all that down, like Azula only... Within neglect, Azula only kind of matches the, the wasn't loved aspect of that. Um, but she still was loved by her mother. Um, but anyway, long story short, I don't think she deserves like a full redemption arc. Like I would like her to do something heroic, 
like maybe die protecting Zuko, like just out of a, a gut instinct. And Zuko always being like, see, I knew you had it in you. Like, so she wouldn't have a full redemption arc, which I don't think she's necessarily worthy of one, or I don't think it'll be in line with the character, but she would have redemption arc that like the last thing she did was something noble. I wouldn't mind. Uh, I always say, and I think I've said it before on the podcast, that I, I'm totally okay with leaving kind of an air mystery, but if there was going to be a start to this story that you've mentioned, maybe give us, like, we don't have to see and she doesn't deserve a full redemption arc, uh, but maybe give us, like, a seed of hope of, like, hey, maybe she really could change or maybe she's starting to turn yeah, over a leaf. Yeah. Even if you don't dedicate yeah, a full story yeah. to, like, hey, she's a saint now or a martyr or even, or, but, you know, give yeah. us a seed of hope and then leave the rest to our imagination. I'd be okay with that. It sounds like a good yeah. good story. I'd read it or watch it. Preferably watch it because I'm kind of <laughs> lazy. Uh, uh, and the, uh, the only video, other video I'll mention, uh, I may mean, have a bunch of videos out there right now. Um, one pertaining to Avatar is, which I know we agree on, uh, disagree on this, is the Fire Nation royal family versus the Lannisters from Game of Thrones. Which family is the most dysfunctional family? What's, keyword what's dysfunctional that what's that video got view wise because it seems uh, you know I, I can disagree all i want but it seems like a good popular video topic did that get good good turnout uh, I, don't know. I think it's at like 180 now that soccer that soccer suyin soccer baby one daddy that, one that took off uh, spoiler alert yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> speaking of spoilers uh, uh, we'll get to that in a second yeah but uh yeah i know like i've yeah, spoiler, I, I mentioned, I, I come to the conclusion that the Fire Nation Warrior family is more dysfunctional. They're not more messed up. You know, the whole Ancestors thing is far more messed up there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. There's more, I don't know, I think there's more redeeming characters in the Game of in, in the uh, Game of Thrones and that, the Lannister family, and that probably helps. I think some of those characters are more redeeming, but could just be yes yeah. yeah and that's probably what puts it over the edge so i get it i don't like yeah. it but i get it <laughs> i don't know if redeeming is the right word uh, either but there's more characters that no, i mean I, that are the thing is even if you think about tywin tywin isn't necessarily evil like especially no, towards his own a, family he's just a, um, a gifted military yeah. absolutely i agree so yeah and like but the fire lord the fire lord is like no nah, i want to kill my son <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, I want to burn my son in the face because he won't stop begging for me to not burn him in the face. I, I, I would still say I think the uh, the Lannister royal family, all things considered, has a lot more bad, weird stuff going on. But that also they has to do, do with the maturity level of the content for the sake of viewers. So you know, uh, maybe. Yeah. Not maybe not uh, something that can be brought up in that conversation. A little unfair, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not something we're going to see out of the Fire Nation on Avatar. <laughs> so hopefully uh, not. Interesting video hopefully though, not. and uh, well, I'm a little surprised it didn't do better just being topical, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then on that note, I, I don't know if you wanted to mention all. I think you've got some Game of Thrones, uh, oh se- yeah, season mm-hmm. eight videos out as well. Yeah, I didn't uh, review their most recent episode. Um, I thought it was fine. <laughs> Actually, when I first watched it, that was great. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh, whatever. Very similar. Um, I'm I'm feeling very similar. <laughs> I uh, In the moment, it does a good job of kind of pulling the emotions out of you. But when you look in hindsight, yeah, not the biggest episode in the world. I agree yeah, entirely. Yeah. Not bad at all. Not, not what we're trying to say. But yeah, The you... music was great. Love the music in, in, in that one. But the visuals and the internet will support us. Lighten some <laughs> yeah, of that stuff was... up, please. Oh my goodness! But I I get yeah. why they do that as well in in terms of video production quality. I'm sure there's great reasons for that. But um, yeah, in hindsight, yeah. maybe not the most impactful episode. But in the end, I think everybody was happy with it. And golly, we're talking about episode three. I guess we should clarify that because by the time this gets out, maybe we're pretty close to episode four. Um, yeah. But I do want to use that into a segue. Because between so between Endgame and Game of Thrones, uh, first of all, it's fair to say that End Game of Thrones. Endgame. Uh, you know what's funny is I keep wanting to call Endgame End War for some. I don't even. I have no idea why, but I keep wanting to call. You sent me that. I was like, <laughs> like End War. Okay. And I, I don't know. The only thing I googled it because I got mad at myself for messing it up. The only thing called End War I can find is a Tom Clancy game that I would never play because it's not my type <laughs> of game. So if I call it End War, I apologize. 
the internet was very respectful in social media of not spoiling Endgame. You know, I'm sure there are people out there if you look or whatever, but in general, people are very respectful of that. Uh, the opposite yes. for, for Game of Thrones. Nobody is ashamed. Uh, to, that is so to, true. It is so true. <laughs> and I, is, and I, don't, I don't really get why other than the, just the nature of television and wanting to be involved in the water cooler is. talk. And it just... Yes. So I, there again, I, I kind of get it. I don't like it. But it does spawn this discussion of that you and I have a little bit of difference in that uh, maybe the amount of weight that we put on spoilers. So I was hoping you would indulge me in just a few minutes of conversation uh, discussion uh, because I don't think that having something spoiled devalues an experience in almost any way. I will admit that the more and more I thought about this, I do I give a little bit of weight, uh, to, like a, a very small percentage of something where, yeah, I don't want it to be spoiled. And I liken it to the best example I could come up with are things like uh, seeing your favorite band live um, versus listening to a disc recorded in studio meant for the radio or or like having the first edition of, of a card, like a first original print of a Yu-Gi-Oh! or a Magic card versus having another. Like There is value, and I do appreciate to an extent. But spoilers, really, you could tell me what happened in Endgame right now, and I don't think it would impact how I viewed or enjoyed the movie at all on my first viewing. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, See, I think I think we over of, overreact to spoilers. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah, well, I I don't. Oh, gosh, you you I don't seem to compared to the rest of the internet. Um, but um, for for me, there's there's a very important part of storytelling, especially in certain shows. You know, there is the building suspense and the intention, and then there's there's what comes you know after that to break that. And if, if I know, we'll, we'll talk Game of Thrones here because most of the people who are watching it's already been spoiled. Yeah, talk. everybody knows what yeah. happened. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Through memes, um, if nothing so, else. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so if I before I watched the episode, <laughs> if I if I already knew that Arya stabs a certain person, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> very smooth. Very smoothly cut yeah. up. Well done. Um, like that would, that that would break the tension of everything. Because before that, you know, I thought, okay, anyone could die. Absolutely, anyone could die. But once I knew that, I'd be like, oh well, now everything's everything's fine. Like, like I don't I don't have to worry about it. There's no more tension building going on. Um, like, and if you take like a movie like. The sit sense <laughs> like if i knew already going into it that oh he's dead the whole time like watching that movie is a very cerebral experience you know watching it twice first time you go through it and stuff and you you, you get hit with that twist of like oh he sees dead people then you hear that twist of oh he sees dead people and he's been the one person interacting with with uh with this character Spoiler and oh alert. this character is god don't talk yeah. about those bombs on the internet like that i'm just kidding and this character's been dead the whole time so and so that's a mind-blowing experience so then you watch it again and you start to pick up little things like oh here's a clue here's a clue here's a clue they've been telling me this whole time that he's dead but i haven't noticed it like i love movies that that uh they kind of do a magic trick to you like think about the prestige like if I know what's happening in the prestige before going in there, like I, I, I you know, it ruins the trick. It ru- it ruins the magic trick. Like spoilers, it's like ruining a magic trick. That's that's like actually if you fairly. Figured... <laughs> hey, you know, I'm gonna build on that, but that's still kind of in counter to to your opinion. But it it's a good comparison because uh, some movies like Sixth Sense, um, the Prestige, those are pretty great examples here of. Uh, I always, I personally struggle to enjoy those movies a ton upon any additional viewings uh, because that, I mean, it's spoiled or, I mean, you've seen it, you know what happens. And in my head, those movies in and of themselves are are kind of their own genre, I guess, uh, their own, 
it's almost a gimmick when you're relying on some big, massive, scary... Uh, gimmick's too harsh a word, because it doesn't have to be... No, Twist is a gimmick. I mean, M.I. Yeah, started to use that gimmick in every single movie, but he didn't have good movies to continue supporting that gimmick. Yeah, and so I think... Uh, but uh, on the other hand, so like in Game of Thrones, I knew what was going to happen generically, but I did not know how. And so even when, so your point is, I didn't really consider that I should have thought to myself, oh, at least I don't have to worry about Arya dying in this exact situation, you know, in a couple places where she's cornered. Um, that should have mm-hmm. occurred to me. That's just me being dumb. Uh, it didn't <laughs> at the time. But when she actually came, when the when the moment came, uh, they still, it was, I mean, this is a testament to Game of Thrones uh, quality, is that it was still so mm-hmm. tense in how it happened and that even after it happened, yes. I thought just for a second that maybe she's still dead. Like, she might have still died. And I, uh, you know, it it still hit me, I think, almost 99.9% as hard as it could have. I didn't really think about those previous moments. And that's a totally fair point. But a testament to Game of Thrones is that I knew what was going to happen uh, in a generic sense. But still, when it was happening, like, I was, I was totally immersed. Um, so that I would say that's a high testament to quality and... My argument for most most very high quality movies, I'm sure that Endgame is as well. Um, I'm not a huge Marvel fan. I'll see it at some point. That even when it gets spoiled to me and I see what happens because I watched your YouTube video, so yeah, I do know what happens. Um, that's right. I watched the spoilers. <laughs> I watched the spoilers video. Um, I I don't I believe that it's going to be a good enough movie that I'm not going to be bothered in the least bit by it. But there, I will agree to that there. Are, there are a number of movies and things out there that rely on it. Uh, gimmick has too negative of a connotation, but rely on a big twist in a certain way that I'll, I'll give it to you. I, I go back to the band state. You know, it's like uh, watching your favorite band live, uh, but if you can't do that, that doesn't have to devalue how much you appreciate that band or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe the more I say that out loud, that may not be a great comparison, but it doesn't have to devalue uh, appreciation for, for quality, I guess. But uh, anyway, hey, by the way, your spoilers video, really good. Well done. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just thinking about all the things that got ruined. For... Could have been some great moments like involving Captain America and fighting. But they're still going to be uh, great. Yeah. And I, as much as I like to bash Marvel just because it's not my, my thing, is that I still there's still such high production, high quality, great storytelling. Like It's, it's not going to bother me at all. Whereas, yeah, if, uh, you know, I can't go back and rewatch The Sixth Sense for the first time, but in in hindsight, like if I rewatch those movies again, even The Prestige is is still a very good. I actually enjoy The Prestige more than I ever thought I would as a movie. It's not my kind of movie. You actually recommended yeah, yeah. that I watch it. I think you lent me the DVD. Even um, mm. I enjoy it more. But even on watching in in hindsight, it's like you know that okay, fine. It, it, so yeah, all right. I'll give you that. Spoilers are very much more impactful in certain situations than others. But if you have a really good story, it's not going to bug me. If you do things well, do them right. Yeah, and the the great thing about the Prestige is that it, it watching a second time reinforces one of the themes of the film is that like competition drives men to do crazy things. And it is crazy. <laughs> so then when you rewatch it, it like that across. Yeah, yeah. Is there is it fair to say that maybe? the uh the first time you watch anything or experience anything um and you just mentioned it with game of thrones any experience the first time versus doing it the second time they almost need that first time almost deserves to be in its own category like it really is a different <laughs> it's, it's it's a different experience no, it's a, it's mean, versus every subsequent depending depending on the value of the film uh, you know, a movie can get either better or can get worse. I think with I watched Avengers twice within two days. Second time I watched it, certain aspects got way I don't want to say got way worse, but got worse for me. Uh, and the really good aspects stayed the same, and so it brought that down a little bit. But other movies like Batman Begins, the first time I watched Batman Begins, <laughs> also because it was a weird situation with me watching Batman Begins. I waited until it came out on DVD because Batman and Robin hurt me so bad that As it should I have. just thought that, yeah, I just thought that Batman movies weren't good. So then I go and rent it. I come back. I get in a car wreck. 
which wasn't a big car wreck, but I was like, whatever. So later that night, I'm like, all right, I'll pop this in. And I watched it. So I wasn't in the right state of mind to watch Batman Begins. But after watching it, oh, yeah, it was good. going on in your life at that exact moment. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then I watched it. I saw it at, I saw it on sale at a pawn shop for like $5. I was like, eh, I don't want to watch. I want to buy this. And I said, no. I drove away. Then I'm like, no, I'll buy it. I drove back. I bought it. I watched it that night. And I thought, this movie is really good. And then since then, I watched it like every month. <laughs> and then I was like, this movie is really freaking good. It's like the best superhero movie I've ever seen until The Dark Knight came out. Um, and so some movies get better with more additional viewings and some of them get worse. It probably, there's probably a, like a, I'm looking for the right word, maybe sort of an increasing dichotomy with anything. The more you watch it, yeah, a bigger, your appreciation for the good stuff gets greater and greater and greater. Uh, but then you also notice more and more details. They're like, eh, how to change this or that, or that's not that important or whatever. It probably, um, there's, a, there's a, a, like a scientific theory or something to not scientific theory, but. <laughs> I'm thinking of like sports teams. So um, you're always more aware of like your sports team's highs and lows. Like you always feel stronger <laughs> about their strengths and worse about their weaknesses because of that sort of uh, uh, just familiarity with it. And I imagine that being the same way with movies on repeated viewings. Like you always feel a little better about the good things, a little worse about the weaknesses, the more you experience you have with it. But um, also a KU fan. So on the football side, I'm really on one side of that. It's <laughs> just keep feeling worse and worse all the time. But hey, uh, so uh, you know what? I'll, I will agree that the, the more I thought about the topic, even prior to discussing, I thought, you know, I give some weight to spoilers, but uh, in the end, I feel like I'm usually able to see through that to a quality end product. As I feel, I guess, is the point of the argument, most people that really like <laughs> movies and film or like a certain movies, uh, you know, five or ten years from now, the spoilers probably won't bother them. So that's probably my biggest point. Great talk. Thanks for indulging my spoiler conversation. Uh, and with that, I have no great segue uh, other than it's. It, we've been talking for like 40 minutes already. Let's talk about episode oh, three crap. of, uh, hey, it's good discussion. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Let's yeah. talk about episode three of season two of Avatar, <laughs> the last airbender. So it's been a while. So uh, in case you were away, we just came off of one of my favorite personal episodes. So the first two episodes um gosh i don't even remember what episode one of season two is but on episode two of season two is the cave of two the avatar state oh yeah yeah. so um they're in this sort of earth bending uh, let's call it like a military outpost for lack of a better term i don't think it ever receives a name and uh, a very well-intentioned but uh not intelligent general tries to draw ang into the avatar state uh to control him as like a, a weapon of war and it doesn't go so well and so then they start traveling to Omashu, and they have to go through what is called the Cave of Two Lovers. And uh, whether or not it's a good episode, maybe debatable, but it's one of the funnier episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, and I highly recommend watching it. But anyway, they make it through these caves, these essentially an underground death trap, and now they come out on the other side, and they arrive at Omashu. And so, um, one of my favorite. it actually starts... Uh, I'm going to lead up by saying I'm not, I'm not really big on this episode, so I apologize if I have negative tones. But it does lead off with one of my favorite parts when mm. they're looking at Omashu from a distance, uh, and Aang, has, uh, Aang says something on the... They can see it's under Fire, Bas- Fire Nation rule. Now they can see the banners hanging and all the Fire Nation swag. <laughs> I don't know what the war-appropriate term is. <laughs> um, and Aang just says something like, you know, Omashu always seemed so untouchable and they don't make a big deal out of it but they do but uh sokka does say i guess bossing say is the last great untouched uh earth kingdom city or something like that where it's kind of stronghold stronghold thank you the last great earth nation stronghold or the last untouched earth nation stronghold and it's just really brief but i think what they're trying to convey to us is the war is is not going well like it's it's turning quickly we're kind of removed from like on the ground battles and stuff as we're watching this tv show so they're just trying to convey hey uh fire nation is on the move things are happening and it's not good so i really like that first scene but um yeah it's like it's like we were just here like last season um and one of the things i absolutely love about that scene is is um you know 
Katara and and Sokka's like, well, Aang, you know, you can go find another Earthbender master. Like, there's plenty of them all around. He's like, this isn't about finding Earthbending masters; it's about finding my friend. Yeah, oh, and I just worth. Sorry, it's worth punching in there. That's the reason they're going to Amashu specifically is to find Boomy to teach him Earthbending. I don't know if I yes. threw that in there or not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and I just love reiterating, like one how old Aang really is and two they like he has a really deep friendship with Boomy um yeah and, and like you said I just love seeing seeing how far reaching this war has gotten and and like I said it's very brief but I think they do a nice job of it and the, you know the Earth Kingdom which just has kind of a defensive feel about it you just you just envision giant fortresses and sort of untouchable uh, big vast landscapes well uh, you know, if the Fire Nation can conquer those, then I think it does a nice job of conveying that things aren't going very well. But uh, they do, so they're they're set on rescuing Boomy or making sure that Boomy's okay or finding him. And then Sokka maybe almost accidentally suggests that maybe he's dead. Katara says yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Good work. And so they, yes. use, they use a secret passage to get into the city. Um, and if you recall, in season one, they had to go through these guards in disguise. And so they get to the secret passage. It's like a sewage tunnel. And Sokka's like, why didn't we know about the secret passage last time? And then Aang cranks it open and just all this nasty sewer sludge just like pours out all over. And I just I just really enjoy the, the comedy of that scene. And I'm a little disappointed that Cabbage Guy does not make an appearance in this episode. I was kind of waiting on him, but he's moved on from Omashi. Yeah, I was, yeah he's moved on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they crawl through the secret passage, and then a uh, very important crux point of this episode is uh, you know Katara and Aang are bending stuff out of the way so they're staying clean. Sokka's just getting covered in <laughs> sludge, and he comes out covered in sludge, and then he's got these little I forget what they're called like leeches. Like they're like. Uh, yeah, Pentapop. Penta, Penta somethings. Oh, they're Penta somethings. Yeah. I forget their name, but they have five legs. Uh, they're like little five-legged octopus. I was that must mean they have five. Yeah. Yeah, they're like little five-legged octopus, and they're like stuck to Sokka, and it's weird at the time, and it feels out of place, but it does play a big role because they like get him to come off of There's his a... face, and it leaves little like pock marks on him. And yeah. then uh, he's making noise, and it attracts the guards, and they throw him off by being like, oh, he's got pentapox and it's very contagious and maybe deadly and he's one of the guards is like didn't your cousin chang die of pentapox and then they all run away to wash their hands and burn their clothes and so uh like i said it seems weirdly out of place like i'd kind of forgotten what happened in this episode um just a little bit and so at the time i was watching it's like what the heck but uh, it does play a role the thing is there's a there's a there's a couple of random small things that actually push this the plot forward in this episode yes yeah, you know one some is strange things. <laughs> yeah uh, uh so yeah so then they they meet up with they meet up with um wait did that is that what happened uh, anyway, no, uh, they we it sort of cuts away to the fire nation family and it's Mai's family uh may hmm. my i always say i always say the wrong one i always say my but i'm sure it's may it might be may I always say I'm pretty sure it's May well. because I saw, I saw some memes out that you know it's gonna be May. Mm, right. I think you're, I always want to say May, yeah. but you're right. It's May. So her and her family are walking along yeah, and just complaining how boring it is. And this is only important because Aang essentially saves them from an attack from the Resistance. Uh, like they're just gonna die. The Resistance is gonna dump some boulders on this family. Uh, that oh, is currently yeah. the uh, governor. They're ready. This is of the this assassination going on. Yeah, there's, they're, they're going to die. And Aang saves them, uh, but then naturally they see Aang, and they call out, they think he's the resistance and that he was the one trying to kill him, and they chase him <laughs> through the streets. And that's important because, A, we kind of get introduced to to May a little bit more, uh, get some an in-depth look at May that we haven't had yet. And then, B, because they end up falling, gosh, I forget if they fall into like a sewer drain or if they're just earthbended down. Maybe. The... Um, they're earthbending down and to a, a resistance hideout and so they meet the resistance there um, and that's where they discover that they have this massive group of earthbending people that can't get out of the city 
uh, or at least say they can't. They're earthbenders. I feel like they could have found a way. Personally, that was a, a disappointing piece of the episode to me. Like, your earthbenders just tunnel. But whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so simple. <laughs> one the one of the things, um, I do love the introduction to May. Like, she's just so bored with everything. And, like, she's so Daria, <laughs> if you ever watch that show uh, on MTV, like, uh, in the no, 90s. I'm not very familiar with that one. <laughs> She's like an angsty, dry humor teenager. I mean, if she's like me, yeah, I can get the, uh, I can yeah, get the, it makes sense, yeah. Um, and then I just love how like May attacks Aang, like, and she she looks lethal immediately right off the bat. And then like after Aang gets away, she's like, ah, oh, bored again. <laughs> like it says so much about that character. I think that she is a, I I really enjoy her as a character in the angsty way. And kind of this crush that she has on Suko that they allude to immediately. Um, I've mm. never been fond of May as a, I don't know how to say, as like a fighter. I know I don't, I'm not trying to be mean just because she's not a bender, but I feel like I don't I don't really see the motivation or anything around her that suggests Ooh. that she should be so good at her particular brand you. of martial <laughs> arts. Like I don't like she seems to be sort of. Uh, supernaturally good at this thing without being a bender like I, i'm not a big fan of that it seems tacked on kind of so her uh her backstory i think i read i read this in an interview with uh with creators and they said like may is so skilled at throwing eyes because she was so bored that she taught herself how <sighs> i I guess that suggests <laughs> that all angsty bored teenagers should have talents that don't involve Fortnite, and I just don't know if I believe that. Uh, but well, Fortnite a, doesn't exist in this, in this world. <laughs> uh, it's a minor gripe because I really like May as a character, and she throws in some nice balance that not a lot of other characters really do. It's just one of those things where she seems too, too sort of supernaturally good at at her craft, and I'm not a fan of that. And the same probably could be argued of like Tylee uh, later in the episode, but yeah, maybe both those characters kind of make it have the same way. But nothing against overall characters; they're both very entertaining. So uh, anyway, Aang, Aang and the group finds out there's this resistance, and they're gonna try to help them escape from the city by pretending they all have pentapox, and so they all get their their, their suckers and get the pentapox look. And they're like in a big, just massive zombie-ish crowd, like exiting the city, being escorted out of the city. Um, and it's very clever and Sokka-y. It's got Sokka just written all over it. And naturally, he's the one coordinating it. So yeah. that gets them out of the city. But Aang wants to stay to try to find Boomy. Like, that's the real reason that he went into the city. And so I'm kind of trying to remember what sequence of events helps him find like how he lands on Boomy. So what? He finds Flopsy. So what happens is, yeah. So if you, he does find Flopsy, which easier <laughs> love, to find than Boomy. I love that again. Yeah, love getting that Flopsy again. I love when like they can't find Boomy and he goes back to Katara, so they can't find him. Like they're all sad, and then like Katara hugs Aang, and then Sokka <laughs> hugs Flopsy like, right on the face. And it doesn't seem jokey. It seems like a sincere him. hug. No, it's for, a legit, uh, like, oh, I know your owner is missing right now. Um, Come here, big so guy. How, well, what I was talking about before, about, like, these small little things pushing the plot forward, if you notice, like, when they're formulating this plan, Momo is, like, really bothering Aang. Like, he's, like, tugging on his shirt and everything. <laughs> like, that goes on for a minute, and then Aang is fine, like, Momo, I'll feed you later. I gotta find Boomy. So because Momo is very hungry... He goes in search of food, which lands him in the in that Fire Nation family in the, sort and of the animal manner or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And the baby like sees him and just like wants to play with him, but like in a in a way that babies play with little small dogs, pretty much just hurting them. Um, and eventually, the baby gets um, all the way. Like this is a very dangerous dangerous uh this house is not baby proof at all and shame on that oh. family for not leaving for exactly. just leaving a baby unattended in a time of war yeah and omash is pretty big like so somehow this baby traveled you know at least a quarter mile by himself thanks to these giant like just... mail shoots and things um or delivery yeah. shoots yeah. yeah and so uh yeah. 
Um, Shame on the Fire Nation family. Uh, and you so know, I kind of uh, forget how he gets out of town. Uh, he's crawling. He's he's chasing after Momo. I forget how that translates to him getting out of town. Does he end up in a bag or something like that? Well, I can't even remember. Um, the baby. Anyway, he ends up out of town, and uh, <laughs> the guy, the leader of the resistance, or the presumed leader, is like, "Hey, we did a head count." And they're like, oh, no, is somebody missing? He's like, no, we had a, an extra <laughs> little baby comes crawling out. And it's just kind of a lighthearted moment, even though they just kidnapped a child. Um, yeah. And no, I didn't think of that's another weird crux point, like something that had to be strangely tacked on to tie the whole story together and make the plot go around um, is that Momo had to be hungry. And so, exactly. Yeah. At least they built it in a little bit with the nagging and tugging and stuff. They didn't just like show him like jump <laughs> off on. They they uh they built it up a bit. So good for them. And <laughs> um, there's a touching moment where they're like, yeah, he's cute now, but wait till he becomes a Fire Nation general or something like that. And then Katara's like, does that look like the face of a killer? And just again, small, <laughs> tiny, brief, but just raising a a constant, everlasting question of of people and humanity and inherently good nature versus nature. So again, very brief, but very deep. One of those that we don't appreciate till now when we're older, I probably, that probably didn't mean too much to me or wouldn't have as a younger person. So that's touching. Um, and then there is a trade proposed. Well, Uh, before that, uh, well, yeah. So before that, Azula does, Azula knows that she needs a, Yeah, Zula knows that she needs a smaller force to go after her brother and her uncle. So she kind of disbands that huge military force she had, and instead she wants a very small team. So she goes and finds Ty Lee, who is her old friend from the Fire Nation Royal Academy School for Girls. (laughs) Um, And she knows how skilled she is. And so she recruits her team, although Ty Lee is like this real bubbly girl, and she's like, oh, I find my calling, Azula. And it's at the circus. Oh, I and love Zulus this one. Would like, um, oh, what, what, what line are you refer- when referring she's to? She's like, but I'm happy here. My aura has never been pinker. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Azula's just pinker. like, I'll take your word for it. And in my head, yeah. I'm like, Azula's... as an adult, that sounds dirty. <laughs> as a child, it's Azula's sounds like dirty. being, Azula's like being like really nice, like you, which just goes to the whole manipulative you know, thinking Azula does. Like she's like, Alright, well, you know, I won't get in the way of your calling and she just leaves. She's like, Oh well, first I think I'll catch a show. And then So then she watches her show. <laughs> yes, yeah. You, you can already tell that there's like backstory with them. Like they have history together. And so as Hailey is doing her show at the circus, like Azula is uh <laughs> is demanding that the ringleader like Put the net on fire, release all the animals, and, and eventually, you know, she goes back to after Tylee does her show successfully. I assume um, Tylee says, "Like, oh, I think the universe is giving me strong hints that I need a career change." <laughs> which, Very which, like, that's not even pleasantly. You know, so there's two there's two ways you could think of how she changed her mind. Either she was so um, threatened by Zulu that she felt like she needed to. To go with her, I don't think that's it because she's still very bubbly towards Azula. I mean, that could be it. Or she got so much crap from her ringleader, who's like, "Listen, I can't have the Fire Nation princess coming here every freaking day, <laughs> and she's only here for you, so you're you're fired. Like, go figure out what else you want to do." I think that's more so what happened. You're deeper than me because I just took it on the surface the first way, but what you just said does make quite a bit of sense. Like, please rescue my animals and get out of my tent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah. So, so, so then they need to recruit May, and they go to Amashu, and um, and they meet with with May, her family. I love May's like the first thing that May says to her, like she bows to her, and says, "Please tell me you're here to kill me." <laughs> oh, it's so classic. And it's just, it's just <laughs> it's, an air of of dark brooding that we don't. It's it's yes. definitely a different kind of dark brooding than Zuko, and she, her character adds a brand new dimension. As does Tylee's in a little bit of a way, but there's there's some other bubbly characters and stuff. So, uh, but I'm a big fan of me. What she brings. 
just not yeah. a fighting style. Uh, so then, yeah. So then they discuss the trade for King Boomy for a um, for the baby, and Zula's like, "May's gonna handle it. You guys just sit there because you've made a mess of this already." Like it says a lot that this like fourteen year old girl is coming in. She's like. You know what? You're you're ruining everything. In fact, I'm renaming Omashu New Ozai in honor of my father. Um, which is which the is... lamest name for a city ever. <laughs> oh my goodness. So many opportunities. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to call it you don't have to, one thing, you don't have to call it New Ozai. It's not a city called Ozai already. Yeah, I have not I'm seen that one Ozai. on the map yet. Maybe it's out there somewhere, but uh, ugh. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's it's poor naming convention, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah so, just, uh, so during, yeah so during their uh trade trade talk exchanges um azula's pretty much sure she put may in charge but she's in charge she's like oh why would we trade a powerful earth being king for a baby and even king boomy in the back is like i don't know <laughs> like he's <laughs> when they drop him down it's just like hi everybody yeah <laughs> oh, i love boomy um, so then they pretty much call off the trade, uh, and then they have a they have a pretty great fight. You see, Tylee and really what she can do. Not only is she an acrobat, but she can chi block, and and they do a good job of like not not using exposition for this. <laughs> like when you know if you if you're watching a movie or something, like they would have when Azula meets Tylee, she would have mentioned like, oh yeah, you remember that you know all those years of you chi blocking. So if I could really use your skills, like they would have detail that out in dialogue but here just like no she does it and you get it immediately what it's doing like katara can't bend the water just kind of loses the life out of it that's one of those things that probably meant way less to me uh the first times that i watched this but <laughs> since uh this 3ds game i'm playing is built around like the bad guys are just chi blockers although they don't use any type of martial artistry to do so they use machines but uh, it means way more now. Like when I watch it this time, I'm like, oh, it's she's chi blocking, and like I, like, I always knew it, but I don't know. It's just a fun, uh, like, hey, that's the origin of chi blocking in uh, in this story, at least. That's pretty exciting. Although I would still argue again. I think I know that that's why Azula went to these people, but they still seem like they're too good at their crafts almost. But what, whatever, it's a minor detail to two characters that I enjoy. I mean, all these kids are amazing at <laughs> at what they do, except for Zuko. Like Zuko seems pretty basic. Yeah, like where's all <laughs> the other normal kids yeah. at? Where's the basic people at? Is it just Zuko? Even yeah. I, I would say the same for Jet. Like he he just he's he's too good at his at his thing. We need some more normal normal people, normal characters. But you need you need kids fighting like this, right? You need some kids you that need, instead you need of like firebending. Instead of like firebending with like artistry, they're just like shooting a stream of fire and just like spinning a circle, like you do in Grand Theft Auto when you get the flamethrower. You just you just spin and burn everything. Just some kids doing that stuff. You, you, know? you ever watch two teenage girls fighting? Like especially in the hood, there's there's this move called the helicopter, where it's just like this. It's coming over the I top. Can't, I don't want to do too much. I might hit something. Yeah, but it's it's like a well, big yeah, windmill over the top kind of deal. Uh, yeah. I would say that I've seen enough videos of uh, people fighting in McDonald's that I have seen that move. <laughs> and I know exactly what you're talking right. about. But anyway, yeah, we need some more basic uh, some basic characters. <laughs> like, important characters with basic level skill. We need those people. But yeah. I mean, there's Sokka. There's, there's always Sokka. You skillless fool. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Sokka. Um... But yeah, they're they they're doing a good job of showing Azula manipulating May, essentially into sort of giving up her brother in a sense. Like, yeah, no, right. That's her baby brother. We're talking about. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna keep the king. You keep my baby brother. It's fine. And then, <laughs> yeah, well, and then a fight ensues, probably under the assumption assumption that they're gonna win, and and get the baby brother back. Seems like a brave assumption. Or that they know that the good guys aren't. But yeah, cool. maybe. You know what? I don't. I don't know if they know that yet about. That's Aang, true. Because you're dealing. In fact, no. That's a good. I I redact my previous point because they're about to kill them a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> with with boating it's rocks. It's true. It's true. So, so as far as they know, Aang was just trying to kill them. So. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, just banking on winning the fight. But it is a. It's. It's a little. 
it's not the greatest fight we see, but it's a pretty interesting fight. And uh, in the end, Aang has the opportunity to rescue Boomy. And then Booski, Boomy essentially, I forget the word, but Boomy is explaining how there is positive and negative... Uh, Jin. 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 Excuse me, Jin. <laughs> Jin for uh, attacking and defending and how the Jin associated yeah, with earthbending is uh, the act of waiting, not doing anything essentially, but waiting for the right moment to strike. And so... Yes, it is called it is called Neutrogen. Oh yeah, the uh, ability to just wait and strike for the right moment. Uh, fun fact, not for the show, but for me, when we used to play <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> I called my... my uh, you know, because different decks, you know, have you had a zombie deck, other people had different decks. I had like a very self-made custom deck that I called my Neutrogen deck. It was pretty much just me stopping people from being able to attack until I was ready to attack. <laughs> like I would pretty much make it to where no one could do anything. So it's a Jinzo deck? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. Way to go or uh oh yeah weevil i think is who it belonged to yeah. originally if i remember. no no it was joey wheeler because there's there's well, another he got it from weevil, weevil yeah. though i think he got it from weevil i think i might be screwing that i i don't necessarily yeah, care to go sure. back and no. watch those <laughs> weevil was a bug guy he had bugs yeah but this is the second time this is not on the ship this is uh the next season no i'm i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's not weevil it's this guy who claimed to be a psychic i think because he had a bunch of like small brothers and sisters but he was really cheating he had his small brothers and sisters like looking at Joey's deck from afar and then telling him what was in his hand. I think you're right. All right, you keep talking. I'm going to Google that and find out that guy's name. It's going to bother me. <laughs> yeah, I forget, uh, I forget what his name was. It's going to bug me, so I'm going to have to find um, out. But I'll, yeah, I'll so let you I, narrate for a so moment. I always named, okay. So I was named my deck after, not my dick, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Nutrigen. <laughs> 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 Whoa! Did you tell your wife about this? <laughs> Waits to attack <laughs> for the right moment. Anyway, um... <laughs> damn it, Chris! I didn't want to have to edit this episode. No, no, keep that in. Um, so, keep that um... in or keep that out. <laughs> you can keep it in. It doesn't matter. You're darn out. Keep it. I'm not. Uh... This is all beautiful. This all. Um. Yeah, so then they get into the big fight. Uh, Boomy tells him, like, oh, hey, you need someone sits and waits and listens. And Boomy's pretty much like, hey, I'm going to just roll back to, to my prison or wherever because Boomy can bend without, uh, just with his eyes, just with his head. He doesn't use arms. That part's stuff. pretty good in its own right when he's like, they didn't cover my face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a good moment as well. Um, and, and this moment is paid off, you know, like a season later. Uh, so that's really good, knowing that Boomy was smart to just be like, you know, I'm just going to sit and wait. You know, like, what good is taking over a city and there's nobody there? Like, you're not, like, like your goal was to oppress people, but they're not, they're no longer oppressed. They're, like, free to, I mean, they're somewhat free. Sure, you took their land from them, but they're fine. Um, and that's pretty much where the, the episode ends. Like, now Aang knows what type of earth bending master he needs to find. He has that kind of stuck in his head. And then Aang does return. Boom. I forgot the little boy's name. He returns the baby to too, the family. Yeah. And uh, Tom Tom, that's his name. Which is not a good Fire name, Nation name for an adult. Like, can you imagine adult Fire yeah. Nation General Tom Tom? Like, that's not going to stick. Maybe that's his nickname. I hope it is. Let's say no, his real name is. I can't really remember what it's his Thomas name is. It's Tom It's Tom Tom. Um, Espa Espa Roba from Yu-Gi-Oh. By the way, episode uh, <laughs> episode fifty-nine. Espa Roba. Good call. Good call. Sorry, but um, no. The Aang does give the baby back, and I mean that's consistent with his behavior earlier in the episode and what we'd expect from Aang. Uh, but I think what's most important here, uh, two things. First, Aang knows that Boomy's safe, and you kind of get that impression like, all right, Boomy knows what he's doing. He can take care of himself. He's going to be fine. Uh, so you feel good, but then. Aang doesn't have a teacher, and they address that at the end. Is Boomy's like, your teacher's going to be somebody who knows how to sit and wait, uh, or sit and listen, or sit and wait for the right moment to attack, or something like that. Um, so, but yeah, Aang still doesn't have an earthbending teacher. So that's the biggest disappointment that we're leaving with here, I think. 
that's pretty much it. That's that's the yeah, whole episode yeah. right there. Yeah, that uh, is that is the episode. That's a wrap. <laughs> I will say, uh, uh, it feels like there's a lot of important stuff that happens in this episode, but I don't know that it necessarily like ties together into the cleanest or most interesting story mm-hmm. or anything. But I'll let you give your ratings first, and then I'll talk about mm-hmm. my opinions on it. <laughs> Oh, all right, so first... Wow, I'm just messing up all over the place. Here we go. <laughs> I know visual, seven and a half. Uh, I think it was it was fine. Uh, the most impressive thing was definitely the fight and the chase between Zula and Aang. Like, Zula doing the blue fire. Like, it was, like, right on there. Really love seeing that. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't anything really amazing. So seven and a half out of ten there. As for story... Seven half out of ten. I mean, to me, there wasn't wasn't that much. The most important thing of this episode was that, hey, Aang, you gotta go learn earthbending from somebody else. It's not me, um, and I'm fine. You know, everything's good. I mean, we did get introduced to to Man Tai Lee, so uh, so that was a good story wise. So really, probably more so memorable wise, which is why I give memorable an eight out of ten. You didn't meet two new, I think, great characters and May and Ty Lee. Um, they really got to see, really got to see their relationship with Azula. And, uh, and I think, you know, this time around, for some reason, I really enjoyed May a lot more than I, I think, than I remembered. So that brings the weight average to a 7.6 out of 10. If I thought harder, I'd probably adjust my ratings more based on what you just said. But overall, they're pretty close. Um, I docked audiovisual a little bit. Just there's, gosh, there's, yeah. there's outside of the fight, there's not really much to look at, look at or listen to or anything. Nothing negative. Just, I almost went with seven. Yeah, it's just there's nothing that special or exciting about the audiovisual there. Uh, the story, I kind of tied those things into the story of, uh, you know, we meet May and Tylee because we're we're developing this yeah. plot of Azula pulling a group together. So you know, put it in memorable, put it in story, whatever. There's there are very important kind of larger plot pieces that happen in this episode. Um, but like I said, they don't really tie together all that well as an individual episode in the story. So maybe I should have flipped those around and weighted them a little differently. But the point is that important things happen. Uh, maybe not my favorite episode overall. I, I like meeting Tylee and May. And I also really like, I mentioned a couple of moments in there that were sort of deep but fleeting moments like when they're talking about the baby what's it going to be like when he grows up or hey Ilmashu will yeah, no, seem very intentional there's some very sort of impactful things yeah so, yeah put them under story put them under memorable whichever um one one of the other deserves to be a little short because it's it, it's it's an okay episode and we're, we're, yeah, we're real close yeah very close um <laughs> and a pretty pretty low-ish on both of our lists overall yeah not not in like that bot like there's kind of a clear cut where it goes from like all right these are just average episodes to those ones that we just don't like so certainly not falling in there yeah not a bad episode kind of interesting definitely worth watching just for those tidbits we mentioned but it's a 7.5 kind of episode and i think that fits it does a good fit and hey there's may and tylee and uh yeah i don't know what else to say about this that's pretty good pretty good discussion of this episode that is mostly leading to bigger and better things it's a vehicle. Not one of yes. those that you can pick up and put anywhere because it, I mean, it has a very pertinent point uh, where it's at in the larger series, getting us to the next few episodes. Yeah. But again, probably not something I would pick out to watch or anything like that. So good episode. Back in Omashu. Always nice to see Boomy again. That's got to count for something. And I don't know about you, but I've got the DVDs. So that's disc one already for me. They only put three episodes on each DVD. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's I, don't weird. Know, I don't know why that bothers me, but I hate seeing the odd number of episodes on the episode selection screen. It really bothers me. But yeah, um, I think we will uh, be back in two weeks. I will not be available next week, so I'll be in Chicago. Um, and I should probably like spend more time making my house not a disaster. But in the meantime, uh, catch up on Chris's videos. For heaven's sake, watch Game of Thrones right away, because if you don't, it will be spoiled. <laughs> And, and apparently nobody wants that. People, yeah. People won't spoil yeah. Endgame, but you're. I couldn't believe the disparity. Like there should be a same amount of respect there, but uh, regardless. Well, the thing is, like people, people might not have time to like go and take four hours out of their day within a certain time frame to go see a movie, but like everyone has time to watch Game of Thrones Sit for down an hour and watch and a half. Game of Thrones. 
find a friend, steal his HBO Go. Thanks, Chris. And watch that movie. Yeah, watch that episode. This is as close to like keeping up with a TV show as I've ever been. Like me and Heather, yeah. Were just, uh, we're never on top. No, of right? There's always a few years behind. So to actually like be uh, be up to date part and, of like, the, the water, conversation. Yeah, like when the water cooler. But I work in a place where it's not. <laughs> I don't know. It's not insanely popular so there's like a small group of us that got together like oh my god you see that yeah and then everybody else is looking at us like what are you guys talking about crazy high fantasy nonsense again dragons and magic and stuff um but yeah no it feels good to actually be caught up on time with anything at all whatsoever but um yeah so well we'll be back in two weeks uh watch uh, chris i'm sure you'll put up reviews of the next episode as well in between um, of Game of Thrones. Yes. Any movies Have a on couple your radar? more Avatar videos. Um, movies on your radar this week? Well, actually, but no, not this week, not tomorrow. I can't think of any. Yeah, big I don't have ones, anything. Uh, any other big ones on there? Nothing who would, wanted. Who would want to compete <laughs> right now? No, no, no one wanted to come out uh, the week after Avengers Endgame. No, I would um, not want to come out the, week in after, the same month. I don't think. The week after that, there's something. Oh, uh, Pokemon comes out May 10th, so I'll see that. Uh, I do. I I really do want to see Pokemon. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Reynolds, and it looks like they handled that movie in a in a nice kind of tongue in cheek uh, way that I'm going to find humorous. I do not want wait, to in see. A, in a... Go ahead. Yeah, I know what you're about to say. I and I hope you agree with me. Sonic looks horrible. <laughs> it looks terrible. Well... Even the segment with Jim Carrey, I was like, that ain't. It's like they tried to bottle up Jim Carrey. Like, hey, just be weird, but not like. <laughs> funny weird just be boring weird i don't know it looks horrible it's, uh, and, and they they did release a statement today uh that they yes. are going to redesign sonic because the internet complained that is that is, you know how bad that is that's not like this good. movie comes out this movie comes out in like six months this that's was a the, lot of work this was the trailer redo. this is the official trailer and the internet yeah. exploded because he looked like a middle-aged like just got off of work sonic yeah now you have to redesign him in the entire movie six months out. Is that what you said? That sounds right. Uh, I think so. Come, yeah. They, they should just go ahead and push it back. I'd go Give ahead a little and bit just more cancel time. it because it's going to be garbage. <laughs> no, this is not it's too late. You're, you, they've, are, they've already invested a lot of money into it. You got to do it. I love Jim Carrey. I'll watch Jim Carrey's worst movies. and I love series of unfortunate events with Jim Carrey. I'll forgive anything. He's going to do his best, and this movie is still going to be absolute garbage. Uh, the, the trailer just did nothing for me other than make me really, really mad. But I do want to see Pokemon. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, I probably won't I'll see I'll take my daughter to go but, see that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a Ryan Reynolds movie you can take your daughter to. How exciting is that? <laughs> How unusual. But uh, All right, we'll be on, the look for, uh, be on the lookout for those reviews in the near future in between this and the next one. And um, hey, Chris, nice to talk to you again been it's been a while yep all right i'll see you next week or two weeks later